Hey everybody, welcome back into the Fantasy Minute, back with your host Addison. Um, I apologize for getting this one out to you guys a couple of days late, um, that wasn't my intention, so I do apologize for that one, but we're back, we're back at it today. Um, so today's episode is going to be redraft episodes, so today I'm going to be looking at late round targets. These are going to be players that you can target at the end of your draft, um, I'm going to be looking at players uh, with ADPs of 10th round or later. Um, so these are guys that you can target at the end of your draft that are going to be uh, late round sleepers, late round um, guys that are going to uh, make your fantasy team. And these are going to be guys that you can potentially look to start um, more than just bi-week fill-ins or you know, those end of those roster um, players that you're just kind of hoping that they might maybe um, be fantasy relevant. These are going to be players that you should be able to potentially start down the road um, that can help you win your championship this year. So before we get into that, though, um, there's a little bit of news in the NFL um, since the last episode. So um, the first one was the Jeremy Macklin signing with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, So to get my take on that one to you guys, um, obviously it was a big step up for the Ravens um, after they've had over 300 targets missing from last year into this year with Steve Smith, uh, Kamar Aiken, uh, Kyle Juszczyk, and Dennis Pitta then going down. So there's a huge void at the receiver position in Baltimore. So it made sense for uh, Macklin to sign there. And with them being a pass-happy offense, um, it makes sense for Macklin to go there, and it's it looks like a very favorable landing spot for fantasy purposes. Um, I actually, after the news broke, I did some more research into the the Ravens system and everything, and I did a what to expect article on Jeremy Macklin. Um, so that one's up on on Dynasty Football Factory right now, so you guys can go check that out. But to give you a couple of the highlights um, of the article, um, the grass may not be much greener in Baltimore than it was in Kansas City. Basically, what I mean is if you look historically at Joe Flacco's numbers, um, they're not all that different than Alex Smith's. Um, He has only hit 4,000 yards once. That was last season, and it took him a career high in attempts and completions to get to that. Um, He is not a huge touchdown thrower. I think his career high is 27. He always averages around 20-ish, and he, he has a tendency to throw interceptions, as well um so his inter, uh, touchdown to interception ratio is 1.5 to 1 so he's usually around the 20 to 20 touchdowns to 13 interception range um with around 37 ish 100 yards um that's not ideal for a, a fantasy receiver for an offense that's trying to um bring fantasy life into and support more than two maybe three uh, fantasy receivers you know they got they got Macklin now they got Mike Wallace and they have uh, Rashad Perriman and a lot of people were really hoping on Perriman being a big time sleeper this year just due to the fact of the number of targets that they're missing and he should get a high volume this year um, with Macklin now coming into that that he'll cut into Rashad Perriman's touches um, but if you're a Macklin owner or if you are looking to draft Macklin now in redraft, um, caution is advised from me. I wouldn't 
expect him to suddenly come into Baltimore, jump up to be this huge wide receiver one just because of the target share, when in reality he's maybe ish going to eclipse 110, 115 t- targets. Um, I mean, as as somebody, um, as a wide receiver one, that's not really ideal. Um, so I'm I'm looking at Jeremy Macklin the same as I would in uh, the same as I would have in Kansas City. Um, that was really hard to say, but view Jeremy Macklin in Baltimore the same as you would have viewed him in Kansas City. He'll still be the wide receiver one there. I still think Mike Wallace is at his ADP right now. I still think that he's a nice sleeper in redraft. He's a nice buy low in dynasty if you need some receiver help. Um, so that's where we are with Jeremy Macklin. As for the Kansas City side, Tyreek Hill is supposed to be taking all these targets now that Macklin left. Um, they announced that he was not going to be doing kick returns this year, so I apologize to you Tyreek Hill owners in return yard leagues. Um, he is no longer going to be the gold nugget of return yards. Um, but that that looks like it's going to be used because he, he won't be used on kickoffs, so it's going to be they want to save him for the offense. They don't want to get him hurt on kickoffs. He probably will still be doing a couple punt returns here and there, kind of like, you know, Antonio Brown or Deshaun Jackson, um, that kind of thing. But it looks like Tyree Kill is going to get the main workload. Um, I'm hesitant on his ability to do that. Um, I still think Travis Kelsey is the receiver to own in Kansas City. Outside of that, it's I'm not really looking to buy Tyree Kill, especially at the ADP that he's at right now which I believe is in the fourth or third round for redraft. It's got to be close for that for Dynasty too. So I'm not buying Tyreek Hill at his price, um, and I'm not even sure if the ADP has um, caught up to where the Dynasty community now views him. Um, other bit of news too, Eric Decker was released from the New York Jets. Um, so it looks like they're moving towards a very um, young roster trying to do a Philadelphia 76ers approach. So we'll see how that goes for them. Um, for the Jets' impact, uh, Quincy Noon was your guy. If you're buying into a Jets receiver, it's going to be Quincy Inunua. Um As for a wide receiver, too, um, Robbie Anderson, maybe. Apparently, Austin Safarian Jenkins has been um, trying to make a comeback. Um, Bilal Powell should be getting some targets out, out of the backfield. Forte would probably get a couple as well. Um, I'm not really buying into the Jets offense, though, but if I had to pick one receiver, it's going to be Quincy Inunua. Um I'm assuming that Josh McCown is going to be the starter, and he has a tendency to pepper whoever his guy is with targets. And I'm hoping that's Quincy Inunua. So that's my take on the Jets. As for Eric Decker, um, for fantasy purposes, I really hope he doesn't sign with Buffalo. Um, the Ravens have been said, have been... Um, reported to say that they're not out of the market for Eric Decker. That would be really interesting. Um, as for me, I would love to see him in Arizona. I think it makes sense from a fantasy and a NFL standpoint. Arizona has a very small window left to win now with Carson Palmer and Larry Fitzgerald. Um, so if Decker signs there, that would be good for them as an NFL. And also because Palmer has shown that he can support multiple receivers fantasy-wise. Um, he'd be a big-time red zone target there, too, along with Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson, and that offense would be insanely potent. So I'm really hoping that he signs with the Cardinals as a fantasy owner. Um, the Texans, I think, are another dark horse team that could use a, a receiver. 
um, someone who can come in across from DeAndre Hopkins. Um, that way they don't have to push Will Fuller down. It could be another veteran presence and veteran target for Deshaun Watson to throw to. Um, so I'm I'm keeping the Texans as a hope that they might sign him. Um, I think they'd be a nice dark horse team to potentially get into the running for De Eric Decker. Um, so without further ado, getting into today's topic, and that is late round targets for your redraft. Um, so these are all players going later than the 10th round that I view as potential um, game breakers, um, championship winners. So first player on this list going at the end of the 10th, start of the 11th, that 10-11 turn, um, Jordan Matthews. No idea why he's down this low. He's going below uh, Jeremy Macklin, Marvin Jones. This is probably before. This is around-ish as soon as Baltimore signed Jeremy Macklin's. But in either case, he's going behind Marvin Jones, Michael Wallace, Mike Williams, John Brown, Rashard Matthews. This is a guy who is two years removed from a wide receiver 17 season, where he had 85 receptions for 970, 997 yards and eight touchdowns. Um, the problem that was last year was, um, they brought in Carson Wentz, so they had to make a new report. Jordan Matthews and Wentz had to make a report. Wentz was, um, a rookie quarterback. He struggled a little bit to get, to get going. Once he got going, he kind of didn't really perform all too well, but what he was given in, um, Philadelphia wasn't that great of a hand anyway. He did the best that he could. Um, I believe that with the second year for Carson Wentz, um, that's only going to add to the rapport with Jordan Matthews. And also, um, if you guys are worried about Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith being brought in, then that hurts Jordan Matthews' um, fantasy value. It, it doesn't, in my opinion. Um, Alshon and, and Torrey Smith are going to be working on the outside, pushing Jeremy, Jordan Matthews into the slot, where actually he performs the best. Um, in his rookie season, he... Um, ran, I think I believe 90% of his routes out of the slot, and in his sophomore season where he was a wide receiver 17, I believe that number is upwards of 70% or more. Last year he was pushed to the outside, since in his rookie year he was still with um, Riley Cooper and Jeremy Macklin, and then um, 2015 you saw that number dip a little bit with the departure of Jeremy Macklin, so he was working some outside. Um, but he still ran them with 70%, over 70% of his snaps from the slot, and that led to his wide receiver 17 year. By the way, his rookie year, he was wide receiver 25. Um, so there's no really room, or I guess no real reason for him to be down this low. Um, I view him as a wide receiver three, and he's currently being taken downwards of the wide receiver four or five area. Um, at the end of the 10th round, sorry, the 11th, I just don't, I don't really understand that. Um, so Jordan Matthews is the first player to target on my list after the 10th round. Um, another player um, is also a receiver, and that's my Minnesota Vikings receiver, Adam Thaling. He is actually the next receiver off the board after Jordan Matthews, but he's going behind the likes of O.J. Howard, Thomas Rawls, and a couple of defenses in the 11th round, mid-11th round. This was a guy who was emerged onto the scene as the wide receiver two for the Minnesota Vikings last year behind Stephon Diggs 
And when Diggs was out, he really stepped up his game um, and was able to be really, really helpful for redraft and dynasty purposes. Um, I believe that with another year with Sam Bradford, um, the Minnesota Vikings offense can take that next step forward. Bradford isn't that amazing, you know, franchise QB, but he's he's a game manager, much like Teddy Bridgewater was. But he's able to get it done, and he's able to um, get targets to his receivers. He's able to complete those targets. He had the last year; he's coming off the most accurate season of any quarterback in NFL history. So he knows he can. Th- we know he can throw the ball. He can throw it accurately. He can get it done. He can, he can support wide receivers. Um, I'm not worried about Laquan Treadwell really coming in and stealing touches from Adam Thalen. Um, if anything, Thalen will work out of the slot, which means he's going to be that um, PPR guy. Um, he's not going to get 90 receptions in a season, um, but 70 is well within his range um, for targets in 20 or for receptions in 2017. And I think at the price that he's going at right now, there's really not that much risk. If you look at the other receivers going after him, um, there's uh, Brashad Perriman, Cole Beasley, John Ross, Kevin White. Uh, those are the type of receivers um, that are going around him. So if you if you are able to get Adam Thalen at the price he's going at right now, I think that's just going to greatly help your team. I can view him as a wide receiver three as well, much like Jordan Matthews. And he's going to be more than just your um, just your end of the bench kind of guy. He can fill in in the flex. He can if you guys start three receivers in a league, he can be your wide receiver three. He's a quality bye week fill in and. I think that he's a solid value at the end or the middle of the 11th round. Um, next guy on this list is Cleveland running back Duke Johnson, currently going at the 11-12 turnaround. Um, this is a guy who is a PPR machine coming out of the backfield. Um, nobody really knows it, but he has quietly amassed um, numerous numerous targets and receptions out of the backfield. Um, if you give me a minute, I can pull it up right now, right here while I'm talking about him. Um, but Duke Johnson, um, all the hype surrounding Isaiah Crowell, um, and for me, it's it's well worth the, the hype. But everybody seems to be sleeping or forgetting about Duke Johnson. And um, Johnson is a guy who, yes, is a handcuff, maybe, but he's also a guy who can catch passes out of the backfield, kind of like TJ Yeldon in that sense. Um, he's not really going to lose much of his role to Isaiah Crowell should Crowell come in as the third down back because um, I still believe Cleveland wants to use him as the third down back, much like a Darren Sproles kind of, of role. Um, so over the last two years, um, last year Duke Johnson had 53 receptions. The year before that he had 61, both on 74 targets, and he had the problem with what he's been doing with that is um, his yards per reception is kind of low. Um, so he's had 500 yards in each of the past two years, but um, he's only been able to get um, one or two touchdowns So um, on top of 350 yards on the ground. So, I mean, 800 to 900 total yards and two touchdowns, um, I can see why people aren't really looking at him or having him on, his, on their radar, but... He's only 23 years old or 24 years old. Um, if Crowell were to go down, um, Duke Johnson's in for a major, major new role. Um, he'd kind of be like how Theo Riddick was last year after Amir Abdullah went down. He'd be 
um, serving as both the running back and the pass catching back. Um, and Cleveland, with that offensive line now, um, they kind of have revamped offense. Um, I could see them turning to the run game a lot, even with Crowell down. Um, they're still going to get that. He's still going to get those passes out of the backfield. Um, so Duke Johnson is a player that I am looking to target um, in the 11-12 range right now. Even if I didn't get Isaiah Crowell, Duke Johnson is still a player that I could um, potentially utilize down the road as a bye week fill-in or should Isaiah Crowell go down. Um, much like D'Angelo Williams was whenever um, Le'Veon Bell was suspended or um, he still has that injury risk. So that's how I view Duke Johnson, and he's currently going at the end of the 11th round. Um, so still not much risk there. Um, as terms of ADP players around him, the players going in front of him, Terrence West, Dion Lewis. West is another guy I like if you need a three-week three, uh, three week fill-in um, with Kenneth Dixon's suspension. Um, but West, Dion Lewis are two backs going in front of him. Then he, behind him you got Gio Bernard, Marlon Mack, Jamal Williams. Darren Sproles, Joe Williams, um, these aren't really guys that I'm looking to target. Half of them are even rookies. Um, so Duke Johnson should be on everybody's radar in both Dynasty and Redraft especially. Moving on, um, the next player on my list, um, <laughs> Eric Ebron's down there. Everybody should know about my Eric Ebron love. Um, next one down there is the Cleveland Browns wide receiver one. That's actually Kenny Britt. Um, I'm not totally worried about Britt losing targets to Corey Coleman. Um, I believe that Britt is kind of come in and he's going to be the wide receiver one. Um, even if he is the wide receiver two, I think that he can still be serviceable, um, similar to how Corey Coleman was last year if Coleman is able to take on how Terrell Pryor did last year. But going at the end of the 13th round, um, there's really not much risk for a potential wide receiver one. Um, even if it's on the Cleveland Browns, is still the wide receiver one. Um, so as a wide receiver three on your team or your flex, um, this is a guy um, who can potentially um, have immense fantasy value um, if he comes in as the wide receiver one, if Corey Coleman takes a step back. Um, I'm not worried about David Njoku, at least not in year one. Um, this is mainly for redraft, going at the end of the 13th round, Potential wide receiver one, give me that all day, Kenny Britt. And in similar fashion, going in the 14th round um, is Robert Woods. Um, similarly with Kenny Britt um, coming in onto a new team, he came into the LA Rams from Buffalo, um, but he showed what he was able to do in Buffalo last year with Sammy Watkins out. He was the wide receiver one. Um, not much has changed quarterback-wise um, from Tyrod Taylor to Jared Goff, um, but he's still projected to come in to L.A. and be the wide receiver one. Um, I'm not worried about Cooper Cup, not worried about Michael Thomas, L.A. Rams Michael Thomas. I'm not worried about Josh Reynolds just yet. Um, so Robert Woods, I believe, should be the guy. He's only 25 years old, um, so... He still has a ton of potential. Even in Dynasty Leagues, Robert Woods wouldn't be a bad pickup if he's on your waiver wire or as a um, throw-in in some sort of a trade. Um, if you have the potential to get a team's wide receiver one, especially going at the end of the 14th round, top of the 15th, that's, that's basically free. These are guys that 
you can get instead of picking up a, a kicker. Um, nobody has them on their radar. They're kind of just like, oh, yeah, you know, um, whoever's available, Robert Woods, I don't know, I'll just take him and I'll probably drop him week one. Um, no, Robert Woods is the guy that you can target. You can get super, super late. Maybe if you're lucky, you can just wait, pick him up week one, um, week two, see how maybe he's performing if he is starting to be that wide receiver one that we're projecting. Um, so Robert Woods. Finally, um, the last receiver that I am targeting is Ted Ginn Jr. Um, now, <laughs> this this is the guy that I believe um, will be the wide receiver to own in New Orleans. Um, uh, a lot of love has been surrounding around Willie Sneed. Um, and rightfully so, he's a new wide receiver too now that Brandon Cooks has left. However, um, if any of you guys are familiar with my some of my work on DFF, um, I did a What to Expect article on Michael Thomas. Um, so he is projected now and will be the wide receiver one for the New Orleans Saints with Drew Brees. Um, and that, that's a, a prestigious title um, to be the wide receiver one for Drew Brees. Um, they, they've always consistently finished inside the top 10. Um, and I expect nothing less of that from Michael Thomas. Um, the interesting thing though, is the numbers for the wide receiver two under Drew Brees. We all know how much Drew Brees loves to, to spread the ball around. Um, so the wide receiver two is going to get, going to get his share of targets. The problem is, is that the wide receiver three is also going to get his share of targets, um, as well as the running back and as well as the tight end. Um, so if looking at the all of the receivers for Drew Brees since 2006 when he joined the New Orleans Saints, um, the past two years, Brees has had three players targeted over, over 100 times. Um, and every single year before that, it's always been two players um back even in 2012 he had four players targeted over 100 times that was darren sproles jimmy graham marcus colson and lance moore 2011 it was another three players darren sproles jimmy graham marcus colson and then after that it's another a couple years where there's only been one receiver and everything like that but past two years three receivers targeted over 100 times 2012 four receivers 2011 three receivers um, if you look at the numbers for the wide receiver two for the New Orleans Saints, they are averaging 104 targets, 68 receptions, 940 yards, and six touchdowns, finishing as a uh, low wide receiver two. If you look m deeply into the numbers, um, last year you might say, oh, well, Brandon Cooks and Michael Thomas both finished as a wide receiver one. They're both finished inside the top ten. That is an anomaly. That has never really happened before not since 2011 um that was the jimmy graham marcus colson year the first year for jimmy graham where he really you know burst onto the scene as a 1300 yard 11 touchdown receiver um but to give you some insight 2015 um his top two targeted receivers were brandon cooks and ben watson brandon cooks finished 13 ben watson finished he would have finished as a wide receiver 30 if he were taking it as a wide receiver year before that, Jimmy Graham, 15. Marcus Colson, 36. That was the number two receiver, 36. 
Uh, the year before that, Jimmy Graham finished as the wide receiver 5. Marcus Colston finished as the wide receiver 26. The year before that, Marcus Colston finished as the wide receiver 14. Jimmy Graham finished as the wide receiver 16. Um, so there's a pattern here. Um, the anomaly is the two players under Drew Brees finishing inside the top 10. And I think that has to do with Brandon Cooks' ability to take it to the house on any given time. He had the 90-yard touchdown uh, and a couple other like 70, 80-yard touchdowns. Um, so it was crazy. It was that's how he racked up his yardage and his and his fantasy points. Um, so the thing that I'm worried about with Willie Sneed is he's going to get all this hype, all this love. Somebody's going to overdraft him, expecting him to be a top 15 wide receiver, and he's going to fall short. Um, expectations can can really hurt a player over the off season. Look at Lamar Miller last year. Um, so if if there's a person in your league who's really gung-ho about Willie Sneed, let him take him. The player to own in New Orleans is Ted Ginn Jr. As a wide receiver three, um, in the past two years, the wide receiver three has seen over 100 yards, um, 72 receptions, 70, 69 receptions, 900 yards or more, and three or four touchdowns. That is finishing as a wide receiver three, um, and that's solid. If you go back, if you're looking at players that Ted Ginn um, would now fill that role, um, you look at Lance Moore. Lance Moore, 2012, 104 targets, 1,004 yards, 6 touchdowns. If you go back again, 2008, Lance Moore, 121 targets, 79 receptions, 928 yards, 10 touchdowns. He is going to be the new Brandon Cooks kind of player. Um, he performed well with a high number of targets in Carolina as their actual number one receiver over Kelvin Benjamin at most times. Um, I expect him to come in. He's, he's going to get his 100 targets per season, or in 2017. He will eclipse 100 targets. Willie Sneed is still going to be that 100 target receiver, but he's not going to see a dramatic bump from his 104 targets to what everybody might expect him to be. That's in the 120 range. Um, that just that doesn't happen under Drew Brees. Um, three players are going to get 100 targets. Michael Thomas, Willie Sneed, and Ted Ginn Jr. Alvin Kamara is going to see his. Mark Ingram is going to see his. Adrian Peterson might even get you know, 10, 15, 20 targets thrown his way. I don't even know. But what I do know is under Drew Brees, the number two receiver does not outperform the number one receiver. He does not get over a hundred much over a hundred targets and on average he finishes as a low mid to low wide receiver too the player to own in new orleans is ted ginn jr he's basically free um so with that being said um i think i've done enough hot takes for the day um if you guys agree with that hit me up on twitter at amazehaze underscore dff you can find my articles and stuff on the Dynasty Football Factory. Um, Debbie players out there, go get that Debbie watch on Dynasty Football Factory. It's 100% free. It's the same, if not better, than all the other Debbie reports out there and everything like that. So go hit up that Debbie watch. Um, follow along with um, my orphan diaries, with John Shep's orphan diaries. You can find those on Dynasty Football Factory. Um, listen in to the Dynasty Net Football Factory Network, the Dynasty Warzone, Edge Crushers, Fantasy Fellas. Um, we got some new stuff coming up for you guys. 
Um, you guys will love it. Um, we have a big plans, big plans coming up here real soon um, that we should be able to announce. Um, so thank you guys for listening. If you like the podcast, please leave a review. Um, rate the podcast. Um, if you guys have questions for me, you can email me at uh, fantasyminute814 at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at amazehaze underscore DFF or the podcast Twitter at fantasyminute. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, I hope that this episode helps you guys out with your redraft leagues for late round targets. Um, and start fading Willie Sneed, guys. <laughs> All right. See you guys later.